You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, my name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo. My name is Claire Perini. And welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Regent College Podcast. We had a conversation today about justice and criminal justice yeah. and how we understand that with... Barbara Armacost. Yeah, you know, regular things you hear. Just regular things that you hear in, on the Regent College church podcast. Every, every time, yeah. So, if you don't know who Barbie is, she's um, had careers in nursing and in the legal profession, which you'll hear a little bit more about. And she's currently teaching civil rights litigation, criminal investigation, torts, and constitutional law at the University of Virginia. And uh, prior to being a law professor, she was an attorney advisor to the Office of the Legal Counsel at the US Department of Justice. Ooh. She's a Regent grad. Yeah. We had a really good conversation. Yeah, how how often do do we integrate justice? Not not just you know theological justice or justification. That's the thing we kind of handle as a church, but like legal justice mm-hmm. with, through the, through the lens of of a region grad, of a nurse, of a it's it's just it's just so good, and we we seldom do it. Mm-hmm. So we hope you enjoy our conversation. Oh yeah. Bob, welcome to the Region College podcast. Thank you, Great thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, we're um, we're talking. We, I don't think we've ever done had a conversation around this kind of stuff on the podcast. So it's so good to have you. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about your story about how you became involved, kind of in criminal justice and civil rights litigation. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did that come about? Well, I got interested in civil rights litigation because I was clerking for a judge after I graduated from law school. And a lot of the cases that we handled were civil rights cases. Mm -hmm. And so I just got interested in the whole area of civil rights litigation. And Mm. that was actually the first class that I taught in law school. Ah. And from there, I got interested in the regulation of the police. Because if you want to, if a police officer makes an error or shoots somebody he's not supposed Mm -hmm. to shoot or does a search that he's not supposed to do or she, Mm. um, that police officer could be sued for damages. Right. Mm. So I got really interested about the particular area of civil rights litigation involving the police. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm. And then um, you were nursing before you went into law. Tell right. us a little bit about that journey the and switch, how you... The switch, crazy switch. The switch and <laughs> maybe did Regent have any part of that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was when I was a nurse, um, I was very... I became very restless in my nursing. So I was a nurse for five years, and over time I became really restless and kind of unhappy in the profession. Didn't know why. Thought I should be happy. This is giving a glass of water in Jesus' name. That should be a good thing to do. But Mm -hmm. I was really restless. So eventually I decided I need to leave nursing, although I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Looked into being a counselor, looked into some Christian seminary, uh, Christian colleges and seminaries, realized no, counseling is not the right thing. Mm. So I ended up at Regent because I was a moving ship and I was going somewhere mm-hmm. and I was not going backwards. And so I ended up at Regent. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, so, but the, the, the most important part of the story is at Regent, the very first class I took was biblical Greek. Mm. I took five weeks of Greek. I took one year of Greek in five weeks. Mm. And oh, I no. was happy <laughs> as a clam. What? I was, loved it. I loved it. <laughs> You're because I now. just got I just got energized by the mm. life of the mind mm-hmm. and like I was thinking about oh language so you know, translation is not like mechanical you're actually making 
choices when you translate mm. a language. You're making yeah. choices about words. And mm. so I was learning about the nature of language. And mm. while as a regent, I just got really turned on to the life of the mind. Mm-hmm. It was like being a duck, having webbed feet, but yeah. never being in water. And mm-hmm. somebody threw me in, and I realized what those feet were for. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so great. Um, so you've thought a lot and practiced and teaching in the area of law and justice. Well, before, before you go there, okay. I just want to tell people, like, she was a nurse for five years, like, studied the whole thing, and now she's in justice. And yeah. It's like two different lives. <laughs> yeah. you th- people think, like, I just stick with my nursing. Like, yeah, or I stick with what I've already did it I've five already. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, my life's over, basically. I'm just going to... But you see, you have an example here of totally different yeah. switch, regent, justice, <laughs> thriving. It's so... It's 100% possible. Well, <laughs> and saying. so the, the additional saying. piece of the story is that I got really excited about the life of the mind, was going to get a graduate disease degree, and sweet Dr. Houston mm. was the one who said, no, you should go to law school. Mm-hmm. And I said, why would I do that? And he said, because you would like it, you'd be good at it, and I see in you a love of justice. Mm-hmm. And so it was really Regent that turned me toward law. Mm-hmm. Boom. Oh. Boom. Regent, so good. Um, So so now I continue. Now I can continue. (laughs) So how would you how would you define justice? Well, I really like Gary Haugen from the International Justice Mission, Mm. his definition of justice. So in his book, Good News About Injustice, he says, you know, people have been arguing about the about the meaning of justice, and we could go around and around about that because Mm. there are lots and lots of books. He said, but let's not get distracted from the work of justice. So here's his rough and ready definition. He said, he says, justice is the abuse of power, and so injustice is when uh, someone uses their power or authority to take away from someone else what God has given them, mm-hmm. their life, their liberty, or the fruits of their, li- their love or their labor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially the abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Wait, justice is the abuse of power? Injustice is uh, the in- abuse I was of like, power. What? Okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm justice, sure I wrong. justice is the right use of power and authority. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. okay. And how would that, how does that merge or not merge with a biblical understanding of justice? I think it merges. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I think what Gary, where Gary's getting that definition is from the word mishpat, mm-hmm. which is the word that's tran- that which is the Hebrew word that's translated into justice in the English old in the English Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And mishpat is very relational. Mm. It's about fulfilling obligations, all kinds of different kinds of obligations. For example, rulers with their citizens Mm. or um, parents with children or citizens with immigrants. And it's about fulfilling those obligations as those obligations require. Mm -hmm. And Mishpat justice is most concerned with the vulnerable, Mm -hmm. people who are the most vulnerable to being treated unjustly. Mm -hmm. So the Old Testament way of talking about those as widows, orphans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. foreigners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the, the Old Testament shorthand yeah. for that group. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's so, but Mishpat, unlike some other definitions of justice, Mishpat is relational. Mm-hmm. It's not about breaking rules. It's not about illegal behavior. It's about relationships and obligations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But sometimes justice is used broadly, and it 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 can take in ideas like equality or mm. equity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, justice has different dimensions to it. Mm -hmm. So the definition of justice I gave you is kind of the biblical definition that appears in the Old Testament stories and in the prophets particularly. But if you're asking the question, what is a just result? You're thinking about some dimension of justice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might be disagreeing and you're not disagreeing really about the definition of justice exactly, but you might be disagreeing about what justice requires under those circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when people will say that's unjust, well, Mm -hmm. they usually mean it's unfair Mm -hmm. when they say that. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard you talk about Lex Talionis. What, what is that? Let's talk about that and help us understand what that is. Yeah, so Lex Talionis is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm-hmm. And it, it really means literally evil for evil, mm. which is kind of interesting. So it's the, it's the, defini- it's the definition of retributive justice. Mm-hmm. So retributive justice is, punish- is a punishment that is proportionate to the offense. And it's essentially... Applying pain for pain, mm. evil for evil, mm-hmm. mm. which if you think about it is pretty dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about it, government, the criminal justice system is allowed to do things to people that nobody else could do to them. Right. In other words, right. it would be illegal mm. to put somebody in prison. It would be, right? Mm. But it's not illegal for the government to put you in prison. Yeah. Mm. So you can, oh, so yeah. the government can inflict pain on you mm. that other people couldn't. The way we now inflict pain is we put people in prison. Mm-hmm. We don't think of it as inflicting pain, but of course that's of what it is. Of course it is, yeah. yeah. And that's supposedly justice. And that's supposedly justice. Yeah. Right, because you vi- you violated the law mm-hmm. and you get punished. Mm-hmm. And your punishment, instead of giving you 40 lashes, we put you in prison. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about it this way, but it's really about inflicting pain. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it really is evil for evil. Right. That's kind of that's right. That's so that's retributive justice. Okay, right. And um, lex talionis literally means evil for evil. Right. Got it. Some, somehow, my idea of justice would be like, okay, you did this. Now you have to repay. It's not like okay, this this person is hurting this much. You're gonna hurt the same, and you're gonna take it. And uh, that's but, an eye for an eye justice. Right. But isn't the idea supposed to be like okay, I don't know, you burned my house on purpose. I have you on video. It, I mean. Now you're going to re I mean do work whatever you're going to repay the house and you're going to repay three more houses for three other people and in the meantime you're going to be of course recluded cuz you might be burning all the houses or whatever you're kind of crazy and and then uh you're going to be aware of society while you pay for what instead of instead yeah. of you're there to suffer what that person suffered yeah i mean there isn't much retro there's not much restitution there you go restitution there's the word, not yeah. much restitution in the criminal justice system mm-hmm. i think there should be but there isn't so mm-hmm. i find it extremely odd in some ways that if i commit an offense i am the government brings the case against me first of all it's not the victim it's the government the mm. government brings the case against me now i'm convicted and now i go to prison and the poor victim is left with nothing like mm. there aren't any mechanisms mm. in the criminal justice system for restitution they're very few if the victim wants restitution the victim's got to file another lawsuit in the civil context to get, to collect damages so what you said what uh-huh. you're saying is really not the way the criminal justice system works if you, somebody uh, burns your house down, you don't have to build them a new house. You just go to jail. Mm. They file another civil case, civil th- for damages, to get right. the house rebuilt. Right. Like, if they have something to give you in return, like the, the person that just burned your house, like, if they have nothing... They like, might have nothing. 
That's just so backwards, right? I think uh-huh. there should be so so yeah. making them pay for your house would be restitution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some mechanisms in the criminal justice system for restitution, but it's not the ordinary way we mm-hmm. handle and we should there should be more restitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the old system I think I think you have to uh uh apply restitution seven sevenfold, mm. right? That makes a lot more sense. Like I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. The, well, the thing is does. how could they in jail maybe like I don't know, be carpenters and they sell the, they give you back the So, I mean, the other the thing is, you know, in, in prison, there's not much opportunity mm. for employment. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're, you know, you're able to make money in prison and then part of it goes to paying back the person whose house you burned mm-hmm. down. I mean, it really is kind of, kind of crazy. Mm. Yeah. So the whole system is for him to suffer. That's the idea. Well, I mean, we don't, We're too much too civilized to really think about it that way. Yeah. But I was very struck when I was preparing my material for the class I just taught at Regent to know that the lex talionis, the word, the words mean evil, evil for evil. For evil. Mm-hmm. I was I was very struck by mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you stay in? Like it feels like oh that that doesn't seem just at all, and yet you're caught up in it teaching law. How do you, what, what hope do you see in if retributive justice is If it if it feels as though it's kind of it's backward or it actually it's actually not really helping the situation, how do you? What's the hope in the? Well, let me just say one thing in favor of retributive justice. Mm-hmm. So, the purpose of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was not to make sure that somebody's eye got gouged out mm-hmm. if they mm-hmm. injured somebody else's eye. It was to make sure only their eye got gouged out. So, in other words, it's got to be proportional, Mm. right? And nobody, I don't think even the Old Testament, the folks that followed an eye for an eye were really gouging out eyes. Mm. The point of that passage is to say, you can't take vengeance on the person who's harmed you if Mm. vengeance so that the punishment is greater than the crime. Mm -hmm. The the punishment has to be proportional. And there's Mm. something really important about making sure a punishment... Two things. One, making sure the punishment really is proportional. And two, making sure that the punishment is not taken in vengeance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, so, yeah. so personal ven- vengeance is not okay. Yeah. But the government can apply what would be a proportional punishment mm-hmm. for that crime. Mm-hmm. So that's really important because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so, so in favor of retributive justice, I think the idea of proportionality is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Have you ever seen in, mm-hmm. in another country besides the U.S. A, another sort of concept of, of justice system work? Like, I don't know, like a, a justice system based on restitution instead of retrib- retributive justice? Is there a thing that we can say like, oh, that's kind of different. Mm. Is that working? Can we learn from that? Like the bad and the good, the pros and cons? Mm. Do you know of any other one? I don't know enough about yeah, okay. other mm. justice systems. But, I mean, I do think there are mechanisms in criminal justice systems, even retributive systems, mm. that, uh, that require restitution. And we should just have more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the other thing about criminal justice systems in which it's the government prosecuting you is that the victim's harm and the victim's pain gets sort of dropped out of mm-hmm. the equation. Mm-hmm. The offender doesn't have to be faced you know, brought face to face sometimes with the with mm. the harm. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's mitigated a little bit by in the states there are during sentencing hearings you can have victim impact statements and victims get it get to come in and really say, here's how my life has changed as a result of your crime. Mm. So there are some mechanisms for that. 
Um, but that's really important because the offender really needs to realize, no, you didn't offend against the state. You yeah. offended against a person. A person. Yeah. It's relational. It's relational. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. So then what um, – oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> these kinds of things, they just ra- it raises so many questions, doesn't it? Yeah, and anger. <laughs> and Yeah, well, because it does feel like uh, this feels kind of broken. Supposedly it's extending the justice of God into the world mm. and to, to seeking – his way of the, in the world, but actually the system itself doesn't feel like it does that very well, but well, it can't all be bad. Like it can't. No, yeah. no, no. So Romans 13, mm. um, in Romans 13, Paul says um, that the magistrate is in place. Mm-hmm. The government is in place in order to punish the wrongdoer. To, the, the magistrate is in place to do good mm. and to punish the wrongdoer. So I think, you know, um, Criminal public justice, criminal justice is really and a really poor, important part of God's. It's a God's God gift, God's mm. gift for us mm. to punish mm. wrongdoers, mm. right? Mm. I mean, we live in a broken world and people commit crimes. Yep. And the and public justice systems are part of God's common grace mm-hmm. to allow us to function in a world in a world in which people are held accountable for mm. their harm causing mm. behavior. Mm-hmm. So I think. The fact that there's a retributive feature in our justice system, I think, is part of you know, part of what God set up. Right. Um, but it shouldn't only be retributive. Mm-hmm. There also mm-hmm. ought to be a restorative part of mm-hmm. it. Um, and that restorative part of it could, should yeah. make victims more visible. There mm-hmm. should be more res- restitution. There should also be more restoration for offenders. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be restored to the community. Yeah. So yeah. they can't just be thrown into prison and then be exposed to the bad conditions of prison, and mm-hmm. they're not being restored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was, that was going to be my next thing. So if restorative justice is sort of maybe a, a bigger, more helpful way to think about it, talk to us about what does that look like? So restorative, restor- restoration for the offender as well as restoration for the victim. Yeah, talk to us more about restorative justice and what that would look like. So um, restorative justice really takes seriously the relational mm-hmm. aspect of justice. So a big part of the restorative um movement is to bring victims into the process. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So that's huge, is for the offender to recognize the harm is against a victim. It's not against the government, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then secondly, that the fact that it's against a victim creates obligations, and those obligations yeah. involve the rest, restoration mm-hmm. of the victim, and it might require... Mm-hmm something of the offender, mm-hmm. right? So it might, this is, it involves this restitution idea. Yeah, right. And then the third thing is that restorative justice involves the whole community. Mm. So you want to, you want to somehow include all the stakeholders. So there's victims, there's families, there's offenders, there's their families, and then there's the broader community in which those are, those people are embedded, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So, but one of the biggest um, initiatives of restorative justice is victim offender meetings Mm. so victim offender reconciliation and what's Mm. interesting about that is it used to be limited to just property crimes because you could imagine bringing the victor and the offender together but they've been using this even with uh, personal injury Mm. so like a for example i've seen a clip of a victim offender meeting that involved a murder Mm -hmm. which is amazing to me that Anybody would want to do that, yeah. but it was an amazing story about restoration for both parties. Yeah. So we need both. That's a classic regent thing, isn't it? It's always both <laughs> and. So do we do need <laughs> retributive, but we do need restorative. We need sanctions, 
but those sanctions should not be the, for the purpose of punishment. Mm. They should be for the purpose of restoration. Got it. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, so y- if we, we shouldn't necessarily be even thinking of evil for evil, mm. right? Yes, you need, to, you, need to be, you need to suffer some consequence of the, of the offense that you committed. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of that sanction should be correction, not punishment. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cause, yep, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's got to be somehow there, there had, does have to be still, yeah, as you say, punishment or something that says that was wrong. Right. And then after acknowledging that was wrong and doing then the, then the restoration. So one other little piece mm-hmm. is, you know, the Romans 13 passage where people usually look to find restore ref, to find retributive justice. The word in Romans 13 is, is not justice, it's judgment. So God judges sin, you know, the magistrate judges offenses, Mm -hmm. but that's not the same thing as justice. Mm. So to say Mm. that Romans 13 is about retributive justice may itself be a misnomer. Mm -hmm. So it may be that restorative justice includes judgment, right? but that judgment is for correction, not for punishment. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm thinking is is I know I don't know if you've you've heard it said. I mean Jesus said you've heard it said an eye for an eye, a two for two. But I say to you, right, bless those who curse you. Bless. And my idea was like, of of course that's in a sense for everyone, but but that, that's kind of, kind of negating the lex talionis. Uh, but my idea is like how 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 would that affect retributive justice, and how far could that be infiltrated into retributive justice? Of not being an eye for an eye again. Of course, you're not gonna gonna say like, "Oh, you murdered somebody. Oh, I'm gonna bless you now." Of course, mm. not gonna be the justice system like that, right? But I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe. Mm. Yeah, how I mean, far I think I, I think um, you know, one way to answer that is to go back to Romans. So mm. Romans tw- in Romans 12, like Jesus said, you know, you have heard it said, "An eye for an eye, or tooth mm-hmm. a tooth for a tooth." But I say, well, Paul also says in Romans 12, he says, you know, don't take vengeance into your own hands, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then in Romans 13, he says, the magistrate can take vengeance into his own hands. Mm. So one way to mm. think about those two passages together is to say, um, Paul is saying, don't take personal vengeance because God has put people in place to avenge the offense right? with, the, with a mm. judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there any place for compassion in the justice system? Yeah, I think so. I mean... Or what would that look like? I think there's a place for compassion in the way that individuals treat people in the justice in yeah. the criminal justice yeah. session. I'm not sure there's a place for compassion in the structures of the criminal justice system. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, because the criminal justice system is about holding people accountable for their offenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are places in which there's compassion. So, for example, if a person kills. If a person murders, if so, if a person kills somebody that they find in bed with their spouse, that's second. That's manslaughter, not murder. Mm. Why is that manslaughter? Because we recognize that that is an extenuating circumstance. Mm. That you know that you came upon someone, you were in a crime. It's a crime of passion. Mm. So there are places in the law where, in a way, there's compassion in the sense that we recognize that people sometimes do things in extenuating circumstances. Mm. And if so, they're not as culpable. Yeah. So, you know, the, mm. the, the, the defenses of, of 
the defense of excuse or self-defense, right? Mm. Those are situations in which we recognize that people act sometimes in extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. Another place where you might, where there might be compassion is there's some places in the law where, so in the death penalty context, there is sometimes mercy for people who have extenuating circumstances in their background. Mm. And that's, a sen in a sense, that's compassion. Mm. 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 But well, you might be defining compassion differently. No, no, no. That's no, no. Okay. That's I'm one thing, and I'm even thinking even in in the discretion. That's like is there is there compassion in that? So you gave the example the other night of so I'm someone speeding to get to the hospital because their husband or wife is having a heart attack, and the, the officer said, "Oh, I'm not going to give you a ticket." So there is an element to which in that in the discretion in the in the discretionary yeah. part mm -hmm. of stuff there is room for compassion. But then is that person not doing their job if they don't, you know, if they don't, if, is the policeman not doing his job by not giving you a ticket? You know, of course not. But mm. in some ways. No, I mean, yeah. I think that's the upside of discretion. Yeah. I think discretion allows, gives opportunity for compassion. Mm -hmm. um, I think executive pardon is probably an example of compassion. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there'll be a person who's in prison and they get pardoned mm. by the executive. So you can always ask, you're in prison, you've been convicted, you're, you know, and f you, you ask for a pardon. Mm. That's, a, that's compassion. Mm -hmm. There can also be compassionate release, too. You know, you're in prison, mm. but you have a, you're, you know, you're dying of cancer. Right. You know, and yeah. sometimes there'll be, you know, uh. there'll be um, mechanisms for allowing a person to die at yeah. home, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. those are places mm. in which there's compassion. Mm. And is the downside of discretion the abuse of power? Yes. Okay. Yes. You're That's aggressive. the only downside of compassion? Of, of the only downside of discretion? So, here, let me give you an example of the, of the, I didn't use this the other night, but, you know, in the death penalty context. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the United States, the death penalty usual, used to be applied in a very legalistic way. Mm -hmm. So you commit certain crimes, you get the death penalty. Right. It was very legalistic, very mechanistic. Mm -hmm. And people realized, oh, this is probably not good because like a person who commits a certain crime, there might be extenuating circumstances, and this is way too legalistic. Mm -hmm. So then let's give more discretion for the application of the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then you loosen up, you make it le less legalistic. The problem with that is now, who's getting the death penalty? Mm. Black people. Mm. Who's getting the death penalty, right? So mm -hmm. create. So there's always this tension between, and this goes back to your compassion mm -hmm. question, there's mm -hmm. always this tension between allowing enough discretion that there can be mercy or yeah. compassion, mm -hmm. where a judge or the decision maker can say, oh, here's extenuating circumstances, I'm not going to apply the law. Mm -hmm. But then the flip side of that is you worry that the discretion then gets used badly. Mm -hmm. by. So there's always this tension mm -hmm. between what's the right amount of discretion yeah. and what's too much. Yeah. It's difficult for a Christian, I imagine. Is it or not? I'm just sorry. What, I'm just having, just, no, what sorry, sense? Octavia. We're not even. We're not even. Just Barb and I just having a conversation I'm just here. Watching you watching your girls go. <laughs> no, so, but but that's a great question because like, you, you would imagine Christians having a little more compassion than normal. Yeah, and, or but without mean like not. letting more or things not, go or less slip? because they're less, got really. They've got like either a really warped, strong moral compass that actually oh, is okay, not actually okay. whatever. Right. Right. Um, so how does how does a thoughtful 
intelligent, joyful, vigorous Christian, <laughs> like we like the ones that come out of right. religion, especially right. um, joyful. Yeah, yeah. How does how does a thoughtful Christian lawyer litigator? Oh, I don't know. Engage? Yeah, I don't. With that, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't even yeah. know my question. You, you know, you've been there, Do so you we get have what no I mean idea or not. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you might predict, you, you might predict that a Christian would be more compassionate, mm. but you might predict the opposite. I yeah. mean, you know, a Christian might worry, like I need to make sure that I'm being really, really fair, mm, and yeah. so you know, I mean, mm. it can create a kind of rigidity. I think. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. That's what I'm. Yeah. Kind of, yeah I was. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Either you'd be then. Too well, soft or too hard, right? And, and then plus, how do you... you can be kind of moralistic. I mean, mm. there are or legalistic. Mm. I mean, one of the downsides of you know, we all. I mean, think about the Pharisees, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they were, they were, they were without mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they legalistic did, yeah. without mercy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a good place to be. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. You didn't no, question. Go. Bob and I finished my uh, my little rant. Now <laughs> you got her worried. Now she's like questioning everything. Now. What is life? Yeah. Okay. No, I have a question about exactly Christians and justice. Uh, I've been part of some churches, and I've heard. I mean, I've I've been a Christian for I don't know, fifteen years at least. And and the and the way many many leaders and Christians handle the, the idea of forgiveness is not just like forgive and uh, have good feelings or just, you know, not not hate the, the, the person that hurt you, but also is let the person go, o- also in your heart, but in life as well. If she did, he or she did something against you, it's like in order for, for it to be real forgiveness is you have to withdraw the punishment you would wish uh, on that person. And, and, and that could be, sm- no, normally they mean small things, but I know a lot of people tend to use that for the, for the bigger things, for right. example, uh, a lot of people get get you know uh, tricked by their by their partner in a business, and all of a sudden he basically stole the whole business. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right. okay, I'm I'm right. He's going to jail, but uh, people say like, forgive, just let the pass. And and even Paul would use that like, why won't you take the offense instead of bringing your Christian brother in front of the authority? Just take the offense. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, okay, I I know you, Paul, where you're coming from, but. It's very difficult to to kind of do it well, and and I mean, there's so many things we can talk. You can talk about rape. You can talk about uh, money. You can talk about ma- many many issues that like people cause you. And you you say like, just let it go. Just, just forgive. Yeah, just, That's the yeah. Tur- tur- just yeah. forgive. Turn the page. Mm. Is like. Uh, you know, Christ made you a new person. I think that's that's a really icky. <laughs> place to be and handle and yeah what do you think what do you think i think that that's a hard question because i don't think that it is either helpful or godly to allow other people to sin against you Mm. it's not good for them Mm. so you know i know I, i don't know exactly what to do with paul's statements about you know why would you take your brother to the court? Mm-hmm. Why don't you work this out? There's something wrong, it seems to me, with being unwilling to use the public justice system mm. when, you know, when somebody has really mm. publicly wronged you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not quite sure how to reconcile mm. those two, but I just yeah. have an intuition mm. that... 
Christians are not required to not defend themselves in court against serious wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's particularly true of violent wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, we think that somebody who gets raped is just going to let it go? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Right? Somebody gets assaulted. You know, somebody gets cheated out of the whole business. Mm-hmm. That can't be right. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of Christians, okay, we won't go to the authorities. The pastor is going to be the one that's going to guide everything and decide. And I'm like, mm, really? So, yeah. so, so what do you think about it? Well, like, I mean, we the go, back to, the go back to Romans 13. I mean, Romans 13 says the civil magistrate is in place to mm-hmm. punish the wrongdoer. So if the civil magistrate is in place to punish the wrongdoer, then... Use the civil magistrate. Use the to civil magistrate. Great. Use the civil magistrate to punish the wrongdoers. So, <laughs> so I mean, <clears throat> I mean, maybe the passages where Paul says not to take your brother to court are about not being, you know, not being, not using the legal system to be litigious, mm. not taking small offenses, yeah. trying to resolve things in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's yeah. something to that. Yeah, totally. But I just don't think it can be taken to the extent of there's serious offenses. Mm-hmm. Then we need to use the legal justice system we have. Mm-hmm. And then there's because then there's also then the systemic things that happen in the institution of the church that are deeply wrong, be it right. um, mm-hmm. yeah, child abuse or other kinds of other kind of sexual abuse or domestic violence or whatever. So that to. That that the institution of the church then somehow gets away with that because we're just going to forgive and move on. That doesn't. That seems yeah, doesn't or, seem just. Or, or at least the, the the leader will say, "Okay, this is going to be your punishment. We're not going to go to the authorities." Like I know, you're like you've raped the little boy. Okay, you, you, this is going to be your punishment. We're inflicting the punishment or, or the rules of of what's mm. going to happen or not. But we don't go. We're not going to tell anybody that. This yeah, man, no. that church rape, that, that little boy, because, you know, it's internal affairs. It's, it's not like we won't go public with that. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, it would be great if this would be like an isolated thing, but it's no, not. No, not when it's, it's systemic. It's in, yeah. in, in Protestant and Catholic, both, that they wouldn't go outside and just say, okay, yeah, I've been taught the pastors, he, he'll do a good job with, with the punishment. Well, I mean, pastors aren't trained. No. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's the thing. They are not yeah. trained to adjudicate these sorts of things. And mm-hmm. so if the issue is serious, it's one thing to resolve disputes, small disputes yeah. in the church. It's another thing to say that that really serious issues go to a pastor who's not trained to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sexual abuse is huge, yeah. right? And uh, resolving those things in the church has been the wrong mm-hmm. it has been a nightmare mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because it's led to these cover-ups you're talking mm-hmm. about so i mean that's a lesson i think yeah 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 and yeah on a much larger scale but, but you know we and we need to walk in the light right yeah. i mean yeah you know the book the book of first john i think is says mm-hmm. you know we need to walk in the light what's walking in the light walking in the light is is airing these things mm-hmm. out right? mm-hmm mm-hmm I do have a question. The, okay. the, it, it, it's, it's even bigger. It's even kind of bigger. In we're, a just, sense. we're grilling you with all these big no, questions. It's, it's, all right. it's about your understanding of, of uh, God's justice and how he operates his justice in the world. Because my question is, if you read the Old Testament, 
there's stories of how literally, like for example, Korah with 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 Moses, right? He's like, no, you're not, you're not the leader, blah blah. The the earth opened, bloop, Korah with all his family, <laughs> the earth closed. It's like okay, you in, in a bunch of stories like that. You say like, of course, God was there, you know, He was everywhere. He was bang bang, he he's like doing uh, the judging, everything. But but now, uh, like in the day to day thing. It's hard for a lot of people to see how God's justice is still active in the world. So, so I, I know you, you're in, in kind of the, the side of the justice system and stuff like that. You you see how that works. But people from that are not there from the outside, they they don't see. They try to reconcile God's justice and how is it, it operates. Just let God use the the system to 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 bring bring forth justice or. I don't know. A lot of people are not hopeful about that. That they don't see things changing, and and, and where's God's justice? Mm-hmm. How does God operate justice? Mm-hmm. Did it change after Jesus? Uh, so there's uh, there's many questions. So how, how do you see that? I know it's, it's a, a big lot question. of questions. I know. How does God? In, yeah. How so, does God enact so, justice? So I think about your Old Testament question. Mm. God, I think, does not treat nations the same way that he did in the Old Testament, Mm. right? So in the Old Testament, there was the nation of Israel, and God judged the nation of Israel, and he judged other nations. I don't think – so when Jesus came, you know, we don't have nations that are treated the same way, I think. Um, We have the body of Christ, Mm. and and so I don't think we should expect – things in the world to be God's justice. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, you know, it's, it's Christians will sometimes say that some disaster is God's yeah. judgment. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is irresponsible because mm-hmm. I don't think ju- God judges in that way um, yeah. in, in, in modern times. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second question you asked is, like, where's God's justice? Like, why isn't he fixing things? Mm-hmm. And, you know... That's just a mis- that's just a mystery. I mean, I'll say a couple of things. So Gary Halgan, in his book Good News About Injustice, he has a chapter on hard questions, mm. and it's a wonderful chapter because it basically gives you the answers that there are, which are ultimately not adequate, but that's all we have. Mm. So the first thing he says is, you just got to be really humble. Like there's a big part of we just don't know. Mm-hmm. So we need to enter the question with a lot of humility. That's the first question, the first thing. The second thing is, you know, God has given us agency in the world. He's given us the ability to cause things. And we're broken. And so a lot of the injustice in the world is us perpetrating injustice on each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, a big part of that is because it's a broken world, and God has given us agency mm-hmm. to harm each other. Right? Mm. Um, and then um, a third thing is to say, you know what? Like, we have to be confident that at the end of the day, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and God mm. is going to make it all right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's not just pie in the sky. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to know that we have a God of justice who is ultimately going to judge the evil. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I think those are... Those are the things that we need to stand on, mm. and um, and and we 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 embrace by faith that God is a God of justice and mm-hmm. that He is at work, 
and he's at work in the world through us. So not only so mm-hmm. not only are we agents of evil, but he's trusting us to be agents of good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it seems weird to think about, but God's only plan in the world is us. Mm. So he does his redemptive work through the Holy Spirit, through us. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he's expecting us to be... Mm-hmm at work in the work of justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's his job to judge the world and bring everything, um, make everything new. But in the meantime, he's doing his redemptive work through us. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I said to this to my class today, in my best days, I'm able to embrace those things. And in yeah. my worst days, I think to myself, where are you? Mm. Yeah. Where are you, God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm... You know, I'm choosing by faith with, you know, with eyes that are trying to see the unseen world that God mm-hmm. is at work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even when I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Bob, that feels like a good place for us to end. Okay. Thank you for your time. And thanks for living in that tension all the time of how does this all work and yeah. <sighs> trusting with faith that God's got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, but we really like that. Because we know it's not simple, and we love it when <laughs> no. when you're trying to fake it. And you, yeah, it's simple. No, it's not. Well, I, I I will say one last thing, which is, um, so Gary in his book also talks about you know answers. You know, why does God allow evil mm. and the stupid answers people give? Mm-hmm. And and he quotes somebody I don't know who it is who said this said. Every, any answer about why God allows injustice has to be able to be said in the presence of burning children thinking about the holocaust mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. don't be glib about your answers mm-hmm. about why there's injustice yeah yeah totally on that note <laughs> <laughs> thanks bob you thank you bob thank you so much you might not want to put that in there <laughs> thanks for listening to the regent college podcast follow us on facebook instagram and twitter to discover more about regent college its upcoming events conferences courses and more content like this visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net. <laughs>